Welcome to episode 439 of Troubadours and Tours, with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. On this week's episode, we feature a fabulous conversation with photographer, educator, and artist, Nico Galeoniotis. He speaks with us from his home in Athens, Greece, and we talk about his journey from Greece to the U.S. and back, how he looks at his emigration, immigration, socioeconomic differences in rural America as compared to rural Greece, his book, America in a Trance, what inspires him, coping through photography, the vaccinated and the unvaccinated, going into the hearts of where the problems are, and a mirror of himself, a grand conversation with Nico Kalionotis on this week's episode. We have an EWSA titled Ambient, and our associate producer, Dr. Michael Pavise, shares the second installment of his Watch the Ice essay series, featuring actor Dominic Azzarelli. And we have a poem called Tea. All of this is imbued, infused, with the wonderful energy of several great tunes. It is so nice to be with you. Let's get to it. Episode 439 of Troubadours and Rock-On Tours. Come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away If you can use some exotic booze There's a bar in far Bombay Come on and fly with me Let's fly, let's fly away Come fly with me Let's float down to Peru In Llama Land There's a one-man band And he'll toot his flute for you Come on, fly with me Let's take off in the blue Once I get you up there Where the air is rarefied We'll just glide starry-eyed Once I get you up there I'll be holding you so near You may hear all the angels cheer Because we're together Weather-wise, it's such a lovely day Just say the words and we'll beat the birds Down to Acapulco Bay It is perfect for a flying honeymoon They say, come fly with me, let's fly, let's fly away
Once I get you up there Where the air is rarefied We'll just glide Starry-eyed Once I get you up there I'll be holding you so very near You might even hear A whole gang of cheers Just because we're together Weather-wise, it's such a cuckoo day You just say those words And we'll take our birds down to Acapulco Bay It's so perfect for a flying honeymoon Oh, babe, come fly with me Let's fly, let's fly Pack up, let's fly away Pack a small bag. Ambient. Waking to a wind blowing while the sun is slowly rising transforms my thought scheme into an array of arrangements intended to direct through the maze of the day ahead. I dreamt last night that I had an argument with a young, arrogant manager at a Walmart. There were big dollies, black and blue. There were yellow-painted steel poles cemented in the ground to guide us through. His middle-aged workers caroused the front dock as I inquired about some aspect of what I was looking for at his company's front door. He basically, smugly, demurred. I walked away into what now I recall as a bit of an abyss on the way back to my vehicle. Inside, I rustled with its doors open while I stood outside, in the sparsely populated parking lot. It was dark, some light, ambient, from the lighted gray poles sporadically placed on the asphalt expanse as per the standard corporate landscape design. I was looking through stacks, loose and in bags, inside hard plastic pockets in the doors and softer ones on the backs of the seats, in the glove box, and through some sort of new design of dashboard affixed sinusoidal wire-bent sleeves. I could not find a particular pair of glasses. Where could they be? brown in a few tones, with touches of black, and a pattern such as what you might see in a pile of autumn leaves from an old fruit tree in the mist of dusk, or perhaps twilight. Take time, my money, yeah, honey, you'll get it one of these days. 
Is that you? It is actually me, Lawrence. How are you? Good, good. It's nice to have you on Troubadours and Rock On Tours. Excellent. Thank you for inviting me. Although I'm about five, 6,000 miles away, it feels like uh, being there with you. It's amazing <laughs> technology, isn't it? <laughs> for the most part. <laughs> <laughs> well, before we get started, the reference that uh, Nico was making is he's uh, talking with us from Athens, Greece. And um, I'd like to share a little background information. Nico Kalianiotis is an educator, a photographer, based in Athens and the United States. His formative years were spent in Greece, but for all of his adulthood, he has lived and worked in the United States. Because of his hybrid background, he views the world and his surrounding environment from two different perspectives, both culturally and socially. Nico started his career as a newspaper photographer, first as a freelancer at the Times Leader in Wilkes-Barre, Pennsylvania, and then as a staff photographer for Gannett Newspapers in Ohio and the Watertown Daily Times in Watertown, New York. Nico is a contributor for the New York Times. He has been featured in Esquire magazine, the PBS NewsHour, and Vice magazine. He has taught at Drexel University in Philadelphia, Marywood University, and the University of Scranton, both in Scranton, Pennsylvania. He is also the co-founder of the Rust Belt Biennial. Troubadours and Rock on Tours is happy to have on the program, straight from Athens, Greece, Nico Galianiotis. You All pronounced right. it perfectly. I, well, thank you. You know, I, I was practicing. <laughs> <laughs> so um, 
Let's let's get right into it. I mean, tell us about growing up in Greece and and uh, why you moved to the United States of America. How that all happened? Well, it goes back to late '70s, early '80s. Um, my, I'm actually speaking to you from uh, the apartment, the area that I grew up. And my father moved to uh, to the United States in uh, 1979 for his uh, master's and PhDs and economics and all that good stuff. And then uh, I resented, believe it or not, the idea of uh, moving to another country that I was not uh, familiar with, um, which was an interesting concept after the, the photography developed and. Uh, uh, my immersion into the American culture. So I was going back and forth uh, in the early 80s, but in long story short, 1998, I believe, or late 97, I decided to move uh, to Pennsylvania and uh, study photography. My, my father initially uh, was uh, moved in, to New York City. <clears throat> and of all places, you would think that People from Europe would love to go uh, live in New York City. Not me. <laughs> you know, we have my friends here, a different way of life. And uh, for a weird reason, I did my MFA in New York. I, I worked there. I lived there. But every time I go there, I want to get out of there. <laughs> it's not my place because it was my first uh, experience with the United States. So you're taking a kid from Greece, dropping him in Queens. So it's a little bit all. It's a little bit very surreal. Oh yeah. Um, and then uh, from uh, from Pennsylvania, I went to Ohio, uh, New, upstate New York. Uh, basically, I decided to move to the United States because my family was kind of torn apart because I didn't want to be in the United States. My father had a job there. My mom was going back and forth. My dad was doing the same thing. So I'm like, okay, let me give it a try. So that's basically how the the journey started. But it was a difficult one. And uh, till this day, it is, uh, it's a little complicated as to the relationship you're establishing uh, with a particular place, whether it's, it, it's your home in, in Greece, in Athens, Greece, or uh, Scranton, Pennsylvania, or Philadelphia, where I worked, or New York. So it's a little, it, it, it's a little mysterious. And the reason for this is because I consider myself an immigrant, but I was not, I don't consider myself an immigrant that I left my country due to economic hardship per se, because uh, there was like you know, war, et cetera. So I had to go to another country. It was basically uh, a decision that was based on uh, on family, on you know being united at that point. Yeah, you were a kid; you really didn't have a choice. Well, yeah, I did though because I came back. <laughs> I left my family, and I came back when I was like sixteen. I survived for about a year, and then I I went back, and it was very, very, very complicated. Now, now, how how did you get from Queens to northeastern Pennsylvania? It's very interesting. My my father took a teaching position at the University of Scranton, where he's still teaching economics since '91, I believe. Uh, and uh, that was that was a shock because that was a second experience from um, from the country. The first one was in New York. And, you know, you can handle New York. I mean, it's a metropolis. Everybody wants to be there. There's stuff to do. And then 
I remember that I visited Scranton for Christmas sometime in the in mid 90s and I left. It was shocking to me because you're talking about pre-internet era and in, in, in one of my statements and other interviews and with friends, I discussed that when you live outside of the United States back in those days, you don't you experience the, the United States from the movies. Right. Right. I mean, there's Internet. There's no Facebook. There's nothing. So you're experiencing you have this idea about America and what America is or isn't from films. So you don't know about Pennsylvania, Scranton, Pennsylvania. You're familiar from about Philadelphia because Bruce Willis made a movie or two there. But you're not right. You're not you're not exposed to rural America, which it ended up being uh, my passion. And, you know, I, I love rural America. I love Pennsylvania, like outside of the metropolis, where the heart of America really is. Is it more like what you uh, have experienced in, in Greece? Is that why? Well, I, li- I live in Athens. Athens is pretty big. It's about six six million people. But I, I also visit uh, cousins and grandmothers at some point. I go to rural uh, Greece as well. Uh, there's a, a fundamental difference, though, and a very uh, socio-economic difference between those two uh, worlds about rural America and rural Greece. For the most part, up until now, um, you go to a town of a little village of three, 4,000 people in Greece, and you have a main street. And you have a main street with family business that they're doing very well. You have coffee bars, you have restaurants, you have a lot of a lot of life going on. And you go, unfortunately, to Western Pennsylvania or Eastern Pennsylvania, the small towns, and it's pretty desolate. And that's a shame. That's a whole different conversation <laughs> that can yeah. relate to one of the American and trans questions. Right, and it's probably because of you know the big box uh, retailers and uh, that sort of uh, economic. Your dad is an expert on this. I'm sure you guys have fascinating conversations in, in this area. Uh, that put to get put out of business the small, unique, as we call it, mom and pop stores that I guess maybe in Greece still have a means to exist economically. Absolutely, and uh, the 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 difference is that. Obviously, you don't have the industry in Greece that you have in the United States or you had in the United States, but there's still um, some production. I think the values are a little bit different. People are not buying to the idea of the of the of the of the huge malls, although you do have malls here. But there's still, you know, if you want to buy, uh, you know, something, you were going to go to Costas, whatever, for example, and buy something from your neighborhood shop. It still exists in Athens, obviously, but it's fascinating that you see this in very small towns. And because you mentioned about um, the conversation with my father, and this is something from my personal experience working as a newspaper photographer, but also working on projects, is that. You can only go so far with services. If you have no industry, whatever their industry is, uh, it's not going to get you somewhere, you know. It's mm-hmm. and then you have the malls and you have the mop and mop and pop stops, stores closed. I don't know. You're more familiar with this uh, than me, I think. But I kind of experienced that whole system from within, and I was very fortunate that I lived in Pennsylvania. Whereas there's people in New York City or other other big uh, 
areas that they comment on those uh, regions and uh, they judge their political values and personal values, whatever. But from they do that from a distance, right? Don't really go into the heart of the situation, and then things will start to clear up as to why some folks are moving towards a political direction. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, well, and you mentioned uh, northeastern Pennsylvania. You worked in Wilkesbury, Luzerne County. Um, they have a lot of issues with uh, the government, given you know the, the high uh, uh, support of, of um, the, the Trump movement, if you want to call it that. But, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that's a whole other discussion, as you mentioned. And we want to focus a bit more, and, I, and, and I, maybe we'll get into that through your discussion of, of um, uh, the, the newest, I think this is your newest work, right? America in, in, uh, in Trance. Um, America in a Trance is my first, uh, was my first book that was published by Damiani in 2018. Oh, 2018, okay. 2018, and it was, I was fortunate that it, it got national, international uh, recognition. And uh, it's basically all of the images are made throughout the state of Pennsylvania. And it was a form, it was a cathartic form for me. It was basically both a a window and a mirror into kind of assimilating myself with a place and the idea of of living in Pennsylvania. And there were pockets uh, of of the state and sometimes through color and light that were reminiscent of the atmosphere of Greece. But the whole process for me was about the idea of contenting with me being away from home. But through it, I experienced uh, the socioeconomic struggles. I met a lot of interesting people, although I kept my distance. You don't see uh, intimacy with a human element in the book with the exception of a couple of photos, but the conversations and the experiences I had in between those images were invaluable to me in, in, in developing an understanding by personally inquiring, not by preconceived ideas about allocation. Well, now, when, when you talk about, uh, first of all, again, this is a book of photographs uh, right. for, for people to be clear. And um, your photographs are brilliant. I'm looking at them now as we speak. Uh, okay. America in a Trance. What, what, why that title? Why that title? Because trance is this kind of state that you are aware that things are happening, but you're not really able to respond. So I thought that I fit very well into that description of like, I'm aware. Uh, I really know what I want, but I at that particular time I cannot achieve it or some uh, life issues don't let me get to my goals um, and I thought that was the, the the state of America at the time it's almost like I'm trying to find my identity or maintain my identity and I felt and this is all by experience that the state was also at the same situation and it had some broader meaning. Pennsylvania was just um, the foundation of, of, of everything else. Like the project was made in Pennsylvania, but I think this applies to all the former industrial regions, but also some metropolis, because some of the images are made in Philadelphia in the book. So it's kind of have this uniform uh, 
feel to it. And I believe it's, Considering what we go through right now, I think we're all in the trance at this moment. <laughs> you mean the pandemic and uh, social I mean, strife? Everything, everything that is happening, I think nobody really knows what's going on. That's that's my my interpretation of things, including me and the, the situation in Greece and everywhere else. Uh, yeah, are you concerned? Um, I am, but. The, the biggest, uh, the, the strongest weapon I have for me to be able to survive through this on a, both on a personal and also universal level is my photography. And I'm being very honest with you on this, that the photographs might be aesthetically pleasing and interesting to look at, but to me are just uh, an excuse to cope with all these things that are happening and that have happened in my life, but also into the society and the environments that I, I reside. That's why I'm concentrating on working on the American and the Greek social landscape. I don't go to photograph in India or Italy. I, I, I just can't. It doesn't mean anything to me. There's no intimate connection. There's no chemistry of me photographing somewhere else. But I don't, you know, I don't want to be pessimistic. I just think that we need to engage into, you know, a more in-depth conversation about where are we going and accepting each other, which is the the most important thing. And, you know, listen, to give you an example, considering the pandemic, there's people that they're on, on uh, we have like the vaccinated and unvaccinated mm-hmm. war. And that is scary. It is. <laughs> you know? That is socially very, very dangerous territory. But hey, you know. Is, is that going on there as well in, in, uh, oh, in Athens? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Same reasoning? They don't trust the vaccination or is it a political choice? Same, same, uh, same, same reasoning. Um, some, of, some of it is political because the, the parties here are, are more in, like a football team or a basketball team. You don't have a lot of people changing sides for the most part. It's not rigid, but it's it's very it's very very strong. I mean, you have uh, I was actually been to a couple of uh, uh, protests. It's been happening. It's like an annual, not annual, a weekly, bi-weekly event here. Yeah, protests, protests, and riots in Athens. <laughs> I mean, you Google it. It will be. Yeah, it's like okay, you have the tourists taking pictures of the Parthenon, and then you have multiple cocktails downtown. So it all works. <laughs> it all works out. But back to your question, uh, Lawrence. I don't know. I, I, I'm hopeful because I be, I really believe in in human communications, and I think. Through my experience uh, and my photography, I came to this realization that you have to, to go really into the heart of whatever those problems are. Or even if you are worried about a particular group of people or areas, people need to go experience them themselves. Whether you agree with them or not, uh, it's irrelevant. I considered my, my the American a trans book and also my other work in the editorial world an educational experience. Oh, of course. Yeah. Um, and it seems you're seeking that. As you said, you're coping through your photography. Uh, I guess for you, I mean, this is a large part of who you are. You're an artist. You're a photographer. 
And this is the way it seems you connect with these eternal questions and struggles of humanity through visual. It is. And also back to the work in the book is was a very difficult emotionally for me. I don't know where you're from, uh, but I remember the first time that I went to Western Pennsylvania, south of Pittsburgh, by the Ohio River. And it was my first uh, first experience with that part of the state. And I, I remember I entered my keyboard and I once I got into the town, I pulled the car to the side and I was looking at a at a bus stop with the people and the buildings and the houses. And I was there for 45 minutes. I didn't even take a picture. I, I was asking myself, am I in the United States? Because when people talked about a social economic decline in Greece, which happened uh, around 2008, 2010, this was this was not comparable. I thought I was on another planet. It was so, worse. It was worse than what you experienced in Greece. Oh my God, Western! You don't see this here. I mean, there's great economic depression. I mean, the salaries are not comparable to the United States, but then the goods are cheaper. But for the most part, it's a different mentality. But you're talking about a powerful country, okay? Here in Greece, you have been through occupation as World War One, World War Two, civil wars. I mean, it's it's a mess. But I remember asking myself this question: What has happened? And you know, back to your your question earlier about you know if I'm worried, uh, the question I have is where are we going? If things were going well at one time. What has changed and uh, what is this progress that we're talking about and are we ever going to get there when you have areas with a lot of problems? And I use the camera as an excuse to go there and experience those places. But I also go there without a camera just to to, to have uh, more intimacy with the place and, you know, you have, myself. You have me, have me curious as to when you were in western Pennsylvania – and you were struck by what you were seeing. Uh, what what were you seeing? What what was so compelling and so provocative? Well, that place in particular, my keyboard, it feels like if you walk into the city, it feels like an alien force landed. Everybody run left their houses, and there's just nothing. It's there's nothing there. But what was interesting is that you I would travel 10 20 minutes down another town and you have that main street that I was talking about um, earlier and it was alive most people shopping it was family stores open and I asked my I called a friend of mine a photographer uh, in uh, Pennsylvania Mike Froyo that he's been photographing the railroads in Pennsylvania great work I said Mike I mean this is place he's like oh yeah that's because the plant is still open. So you have a whole community that is happening. You have your industry, then the people that work within those industries, they can support the local economy. Mm -hmm. Now, mm -hmm. a lot of people are going to argue this with the environment. Well, yeah, sure. I think I personally believe everybody cares about the environment for the most part. OK, but how do you sustain that system in order for the people to be able to afford sending their kids to college? without getting a federal loan or a bank loan, for that matter. Right. And I'm, talk I'm talking for experiences about college loans. I hear you. Believe me. Uh, we're talking with Nico Kalianiotis, right? Correct. 
from his home in Athens, Greece, about his his philosophy as a citizen, as an artist, as a photographer, and uh, and some of the things I guess he sees and is hopeful and concerned about in society, where photography again is is what helps him cope. And I look at your work again. I'm looking at it now, and it is it is very powerful. And uh, there aren't many human beings in these photographs I'm looking at from uh, the the new from the book America in a Trance. I see one with a a gentleman without a shirt on sitting on a front porch in the sun. But other than that, it's just pictures of of the community, of streets, of buildings, and the lighting. You know, is is wonderful. A lot of it does look. Uh, like aliens came in and everybody ran away, <laughs> um, or a little down uh, economically. But also, some of it looks very quaint and charming. I mm-hmm. guess that th- you'll find pockets of this in in America as you travel down the road. Correct, and uh, you raise a good point because um, throughout the photograph, the photographic medium, uh, the ruin porn, as we call it in photography, there's a lot of photos that you see that are from uh, a lot of desolate buildings and destruction. And I, I, I had to have uh, some references to that, but I didn't want to make it about to make it so obvious i wanted to be a little bit more lyrical and the reason the 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 people are so pushed out in the frame was kind of like an intuitive process because i wanted to unite the 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 people with the with the landscape it was also a mirror of myself like i would see me in those in those people walking the streets of Scranton and somebody else might be photographing me from 300 feet away or 200 feet away and that is why it kind of kind of I approached it that way there was no plan uh, it was very very emotional to me and uh, intuitive and uh, there was no concept in terms of uh, I have to photograph this I every place that I went I did uh, I th- the only research I did was how to get there and what are the towns I will I will find on my way because again I wanted to learn by experience and not by what some article will tell me or news organization or, or a friend of mine um, but there is this sense that you have this quaint um, layer that exists in the work uh, but at the same time there is a sense of hope and somebody told me in a in an exhibition I had in uh, Penn State University in Reading, and the same comment happened in Greece in another exhibition. That was about between 17 and 18. And they told me, your pictures are, are clean. And I go, what do you mean my pictures are clean? Are you talking about composition and you know focus and all that? It's like, no, 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 your pictures are clean. There's no, gar- there's no garbage on the streets. And I go, what? <laughs> and, I go, and I went back to the images there's not a single paper on any of those streets. You have the nice color. People uh, try to maintain their homes. There's only one picture that has garbage on its side, and that's one from uh, the railroad tracks at the crossing through Scranton. But if you look at the, all the other images in the book, there's no garbage. It's very, very, very clean. So I use that as a, as a, as a positive note, okay? So, yeah, you have the socioeconomic decline, but at the same time, uh, 
I'm hopeful for something or the people are hopeful. There was a sense of pride, uh, pride, maintaining the community, taking care of it. Yeah, I love it. I'm, I'm looking again as we speak at the photos. There's a, a, a very beautiful fo photo of, of a man in a, in a wheelchair and a woman standing in front of a car with the, uh, the hood open and a mm -hmm. building in the background, garage door open with the car in the garage. It's wonderful. There's so much going on there. Yeah. Um, it, it, it really, I guess, you say you want to experience America, uh, community, um, Greece, community directly. You don't want to read about what's going on or, or hear about what's going on from other people. And I guess for you, seeing is believing. And you can interpret a lot from what you actually see. Mm -hmm. And it's also the experience that I, uh, I, I think that you look at whether you're a photographer or not, you are, you are looking at a photograph. And for me, the photograph works if you really feel the photographer's soul into those photos. And I don't know if my photos do that or not, but when I look at work, I want to see the photographer into the picture not in the sense that yeah uh, he took the picture he might be interested in the in the in the subject or because it's uh, aesthetically pleasing and compelling I'm not interested in all that the only reason that you see hopefully well-composed uh, photographs with good light and color all of this to me is irrelevant because I was trained that way because I went to a, a fine arts school and studied photography and then I worked in a, a, a very good newspapers, one of the very good newspapers, the Watertown Daily Times, upstate New York, that had an amazing photo editor. So aesthetics was key. So all of this is automatic. The moment I pick up the camera within three, four seconds, I know how I'm going to frame, what, what lens I'm going to use. It's all done. But it's an introduction to something else, to the narratives that might exist, to the references, to the conversation that you can look at the photo and say, okay, great color, great composition, amazing light, interesting subject matter, um, interesting character. But what else is going on there? Even the person with a, without a shirt, I mean, okay, why is he there? Uh, study the pictures. There's a bank in the background and do not enter sign. And the story about this guy is that I photographed him about 13 years ago, believe it or not, uh, black and white. He was doing the exact same thing. And I was traveling, I believe it was 2018, in Scranton looking for pictures. And I see him at the same porch. And I'm like, it cannot be happening. It was the same guy, same position. And he remembered me. I went back. <laughs> I found the black and white frame. I took it to him. He had three restaurants in town in Scranton that because of the situation, they were gone. But uh, so it's all this. Uh, it's the first step to a broader dialogue that I think we need to engage with. Well said. Well said. Uh, Nico, it's it's been a pleasure talking with you. I mean, we're just about done for this, this uh, go around. We can hopefully talk again in the future. I love your work. If anybody wants to uh, check out what uh, Nico has been producing over the years, he, he has, uh, you can just Google him, uh, N-I-K-O-J period is his middle initial, then K-A-L-L-I-A-N-I-O-T-I-S. <laughs> Kelly Anyotis. You got it. And also to close, 
the the project that I'm working right now is about um, the the city of Athens, but also the extended territories. And if America in a trance was about me leaving home and trying to uh, assimilate with the United States, the project about Greece and the upcoming book is about coming home. So it's kind of like a, a mirror of this too. Wonderful. I can't wait. When will that be ready? I'm still working on it. Hopefully the next year should be published, but we're still working on it, still photographing the last three, four years. So it's it's been going good, I think. I can't wait to see it. All right, Lawrence. Thank you so much for being on Troubadours and Rock on Tours. And uh, when that when you're ready, uh, let's let's talk about that that project. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Take care. Take care. Bye bye. When was the last time you saw your reflection? When was the last time you pulled back the shade? When was the last time you cured your infection? When was the last time that you weren't afraid? Think real hard Think real hard When was the last time you saw your own star? That funny feeling when you wonder how far How many circles and hours and days When was the last time you floated away? Think real hard Think real hard You know it's true You know it's true When was the last time you looked at you? You know it's true Bacteria Invisible Living under The chemical like heartbreak woven into the clothes we get used to When was the last time you saw your own blood? When was the last time that you had a clue? Did you ever take something you wanted? Something that didn't belong to you? You know it's true When was the last time you looked at you? You know it's true You know it's true Yeah, you know it's true When was the last time you looked at you? Sure, I smoked. Smoked for years and years. Palm Malls at first. Unfiltered. Real killers. Then filtered camels. Remember Joe Camel? 
had a great Joe Camel t-shirt. Saved up coupons from the packs. And I moved to Mentals. Cools. That was my last brand, Cools. Whole family smoked. Father, grandfathers, grandmothers, aunts, uncles. The only holdout was my mother. She used to pretend to cough every time my dad lit up in front of her. And he lit up one all the time, so she was always pretend coughing. And then she'd tisk tisk under her breath. She was always tisk tisking too. And constantly emptying ashtrays and rolling her eyes and sighing. My father ignored her, which he pretty much did all the time anyway. He was good at ignoring people, especially my mother. My mother hated smokers. She wasn't too crazy about my father. They didn't speak to each other much, and when they did, he'd yell and she'd cry. The kids would run outside or hide upstairs until it was quiet again. You know, a messed up family. Like most of them, no matter how nice and normal a family seems, they're messed up somehow, some way, for sure. Dad smoked Lucky Strikes. Started smoking them when he was a kid. And was a nicotine fiend by the time he joined the army. Then he got out of the army and he married my mom. He kept on puffing away. All through the years of work at a factory. And then through his short retirement. He could finally relax, but couldn't breathe. Emphysema. All that crap he was breathing in every day at the factory didn't help, of course. Angry guy. Used to come home from work, open a quart of beer, light up a smoke, and stew. And if one of the kids upset his stewing, there'd be hell to pay. Sure, he hit me when he could catch me. He hit all the kids. Now and then he'd hit Mom, and there would be tears behind the bedroom door. Then he'd come out, sit down, start stewing again. A little while later, she'd come out and begin making dinner. Mom died first. Never smoked. Didn't drink much. Glass of wine on a holiday or birthday. Never sick a day in her life. Cancer. Then Dad died. Then the aunts and uncles. Not all from smoking, of course. Lots of ways to die. Don't have to tell you. So yeah, I smoked. Started when I was young. And like Dad, all my friends smoked. Everyone smoked in the movies and on TV. John Wayne smoked. Remember him? Used to watch him in westerns on afternoon TV. The gun is mine. The bullets belong to him. He can come get him any time. Loved John Wayne. Dad loved him too. The Duke. That's what they called him. The Duke got cancer and died too. Now that I think about it, smoking was a big part of my life. We smoked before school when we were kids. We smoked after school, and then we'd sneak off to smoke at night. We'd smoke on dates. We'd smoke at work. We'd smoke at the bars. We'd smoke on the street after the bars were closed. We'd smoke in the morning with our first cup of coffee, and we'd smoke one last one before we fell asleep. Over the years, one by one, we quit. I quit a long time ago. 
expensive, nasty habit, as my mother used to say. Finally realized that on my own. Some of my buddies kept at it right to the end. My buddy Nobby O'Malley, for example. Hacking and wheezing his whole sorry life. The last time I saw him, alive that is, he was grinning and lighting up a butt. Man, what a depressing subject. Why are we talking about this anyway? Oh yeah, you asked me. Well, next time ask about something happy. Butterflies or ice cream or ladies' underwear. You know, happy. Well, gotta go. Watch the ice. We got married in a fever Hotter than a pepper sprout We've been talking about Jackson Ever since the fire went out I'm going to Jackson I'm gonna mess around Yeah, I'm going to Jackson Look out Jackson Town Jackson See if I can When I breeze into that city People gonna stoop and bow uh. All them women gonna make me Teach them what they don't know how I'm going to Jackson You turn loose of my coat Cause I'm going to Jackson Goodbye, that's all she wrote But didn't laugh at you in Jackson And I'll be dancing on a pony cake They'll lead you round town like a scalded hound With your tail tucked between your legs Yeah, go to Jackson You big talking man And I'll be waiting in Jackson Behind my J-Pan in this cup of coffee might numb the dull pain in my jaw if a few fall just right into the hole in the back left molar. I smell breakfast cereal and oat milk. The afternoon will be with black tea, maybe green mint. 
at night some pretzels and hard cider while watching the game or a good documentary. Is this all free? Thank God for fermentation Fermentation for the wine Thank wine for conversation With these relatives in law of mine Thank these relatives for you, babe Thank you for the bouncing Boy, doing the best that he can do To keep this family entertained As it navigates the treacherous waters of talk and Episode 439 of Troubadours and Tours with yours truly, E.W. Conundrum Demure. I'd like to thank those folks who made this episode possible. First and foremost, Nico Galliagnotis, our associate producer, Dr. Michael Pavis, actor extraordinaire, Dominic Azzarelli, and these musical artists, Thelonious Monk, Frank Sinatra, Bedouin, Jeffrey Dean Foster, Johnny and June Carter Cash, Chris Teal, Branford Marsalis, and Terrence Blanchard too. And of course, I'd like to thank you for listening. Until next time, let's do our best with this time. Take care.